Hey, gorgeous human. Uh, before we get into the next episode, which you're going to absolutely love, and then go book your bike fit after listening to James, I just want to let you know how amazing you are and I hope you're having the most fantastic day. Now go and rock it out. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back for another episode of Secrets in the Saddle, All Things Cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew and James. James, I forgot to ask you how you say your last name. Uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. Easiest James way Vantuver. to know is it rhymes with Vancouver. I love <laughs> I could do that. Vancouver. Yeah. James <laughs> Vancouver. Now, James, I know because he actually did a bike fit for me and I uh, recorded it and put it on my Facebook page. It was a long, and actually I'm going to try and share that because when James did his bike fit, we recorded the whole thing. And there was a lot of really cool information there that he explained about bike fits. Anyways, I thought it was pretty exceptional and I've got to download it and put it up on YouTube. So I will share that link if that happens before this episode airs. But here's a little bit background of James. So James grew up in a small town on Prince Edward Island, where his interest in uh, competitive sports started at a young age. Now, in 2003, this Love for cycling started when James signed a professional contract to ride for a UCI mountain bike team based in Prescott, Arizona. I'll have to find out how he got to the, from Canada to the United States, but that's why we're here because we're going to hear the whole story. Absolutely. Now, following his 2003 cycling season, James gave up full-time racing to pursue his undergrad degree in Ottawa. And that's where he is now. What he's done is he's, he went back to school. He became a physio and now he's one of the highly regarded guys who does bike fits. And the reason why is he, because he has a high understanding of cycling because of his pro, like, uh, because of, well, he's got a lot of pro athlete his accolades. So we're going to go through that, but as a bike fitter, it's always important that you are a cyclist and you understand the dynamics of the body on a bike. And that's where, when James did my bike fit, there was a lot of things that he talked about that I, and I actually have a bike fit certification, but I don't practice it. It's been about mm, probably 10 years but I have that and I use it when 
I coach as I like, like when I eyeball people and then I send them to James for the <laughs> official bike fit. So Thank welcome you. James to yeah. the podcast. I'm super excited to talk about, yeah, your whole background. Yeah, absolutely. Super, super happy to be here and, and, and share, share me. <laughs> yeah. So James doesn't like talking about himself, but we're going to pull out all the goods. And before we get into it, we're just, we were just talking about his mural in the background. If you're catching this on YouTube, um, this guy, what's his name? Uh, so his name is Robbie. Um, Robbie, goes, that's uh, all you need to know. <laughs> found on Instagram under fall down G. Fall down G. Anyways, he's doing all these amazing <laughs> murals. And I was just like, wow, that's super cool. Anyways. Yeah. So a little bit on that. Cause people are probably going to ask. All right. So James, I always love to start the podcast about how did you get into cycling? Because yeah, great question. Um, so my uh, cycling career began because of uh, an alpine ski coach on Prince Edward Island. So <clears throat> I grew up completely rural Prince Edward Island, couldn't even see another house from where I grew up very, very like in the woods, basically. So great place to learn how to mountain bike. Um, yeah. But the phenomenal thing is I lived beside the only small provincial alpine ski hill on Prince Edward Island. That's what so, I was going to say. They so, actually have a ski hill. Yeah, they actually have a little teeny tiny ski hill. And, you know, as a, as a kid growing up on PEI in the wintertime when there's nothing to do, you spend all day, every day skiing. So that mm -hmm. eventually materialized me to going to ski school and then getting into the alpine race program and no one really told the uh, young James that a, an Olympic alpine ski racer would never come from Prince Edward Island. So I was like 100% all in on downhill ski racing. Oh, yeah. Didn't take me long to do a couple races in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia on slightly larger hills to <laughs> find out that I wasn't really good at alpine ski racing at all. Oh. It was one of my coaches who had introduced cycling, uh, specifically road cycling, as cross uh, training in the off season. And it just so happened one fall, he decided to load a bunch of us kids in an 18 passenger van and take us over to New Brunswick, Poli Mountain in Sussex, New Brunswick, to do a, a mountain bike race. And I won my cadet sport category and thought, hey, <laughs> this was a little bit more fun winning <laughs> and you know um, parents not having a ton of money growing up they were like look you got to pick these are two very expensive sports mm. so then I kind of um, gravitated towards uh, cycling a little bit more um, fast forward two years uh, my family moved down to Tennessee so oh east, that's yeah. how you got there okay so east tennessee um obviously um and to this day i would highly argue with anybody that east tennessee sort of western north carolina southwest virginia that little oh, pocket where right. all of those states meet has some of the best road riding in the world so i was just lucky enough to be plunked down into this mecca of riding and got hooked up with some uh, a, a really fantastic local bike shop in Kingsport Tennessee called Rock and Road Bicycles. Hey and that's a good name. Yeah 
at which they're no longer there anymore. Um, and it was myself and uh, one of whom now is one of my best friends. Um, we just started racing the whole Southeast circuit. Um, two years later, when that shop went out of business, there was another um, uh, a businesswoman entrepreneur from Southwest Virginia. She owned a bike shop, Highlands Ski and Outdoor Center in Abingdon, Virginia. So we were kind of, my household would have been in the middle of like Kingsport and Abington, sort of geographically along the highway. And this woman had some money. She was, she owned several Burger King chains and some steakhouses. Wow. And this bike and ski thing was just fun for her. So she put together this sort of regional elite team that oh. now we had some funding and we had some, uh, some minor bike sponsorship. Um, we had an 18 passenger van and we spent the next, oh gosh, two years driving across the country. Like I kind of have to look back on it and wonder how my parents just let me go with complete strangers. <laughs> driving, oh, you got a couple friends in there. They'll be yeah, take care of each other. Everywhere across. I'm pretty sure I've driven across the United States over a dozen times in the back of an 18 passenger van and wow. just racing bikes, going, going anywhere and everywhere that we could race our bikes and get noticed and compete compete against some of the best in um, the United States at that point in time. So we're, is this through high school? Yep. So um, this was through high school. So, um, so yeah, competing, uh, obviously in the summertime, my parents weren't that crazy to not let me go to school. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so grade 11, I would have been grade 11, grade 12. And then once I graduated high school, I stayed um, locally, um, and just kind of did some community college courses. But at that point in time, parents kind of realized that my main focus, my main interest was cycling. So mm. school was just the background noise and, but I had to do something and yeah, cycling yeah. was the full-time focus. And it was just, yeah, it was uh, just such a great group of people. As I say, the, the guy I initially started with at Rock and Road Bicycles, he's still one of my best friends. He still lives down in, in Johnson City, Tennessee. Um, okay. But yeah, and then it just kind of went from there, doing bigger races, getting noticed by bigger teams and having bigger results, and it just snowballed. So that's how you got onto your first UCI mountain bike team. But then is that, but is that where you ended up competing for Canada or was so, it Canada after that, or was Canada before that? Yeah. So I think it was 2002. Um, Cause all my racing up to that point has pretty much been in the United States. Right. And it's funny. There was this, this <laughs> scout we, from Canada well, saying, so, so it's funny because I was doing <laughs> so well in the United States, I was getting noticed by USA cycling. Right. And it was kind of funny because we never, uh, my parents, although my parents were down there for almost 20 years, I was down in the States for just a little over six. We never took out citizenship. So legally I could not race for USA cycling, but we never told them that. So, and my dad kept on 
to, to kind of like not ruffle any feathers, my dad kept on just, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, make donations to the junior cycling fund of USA Cycling. Mm-hmm. And they never asked, so we never told them. So I kind of started coming up through the USA Cycling program, doing some of these elite junior camps in Park City, Utah, in uh, Salt Lake City, in San Diego, California, at the Olympic Training wow. Center, just not saying anything. <laughs> right. But I would never, ever, ever go to nationals down in the U.S. And they always wondered why is because if I actually performed well and got selected for the national team, they would find out that I'm not an American and then the the jig would be up. So in 2002, (laughs) I went up to Sun Peaks Resort and did the Canadian. So that would have been at that point in time. I would have been an under 23 Espoir rider and I did the under 23 mountain bike national championships in Sun Peaks. Had a horrible race, broke my hand in the race, um, but it just kind of started to put me on the radar for um, the Canadian Cycling Association. Um, And I had had a really great year in the Norba national circuit um, as a a young professional rider. And it always just shows you, you never know who's watching. Oh, so yeah. at the end of 2002, my parents are like, okay, let's take the next step. And I joined the Pacific Sport Cycling Organization organization in Victoria, BC. And they were kind of at the time, and I think they still are, like a feeder for a lot of the national team programs. Mm-hmm. So women's soccer, or men's and women's soccer, men's and women's rugby, field hockey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So cycling as well. So I moved out to Victoria at the end of 2002, so September. Trained with that organization that entire fall. And then literally the day I was packing my bags to fly home for Christmas, my parents were still down in Tennessee, I got a call from this random gentleman (laughs) um, named Clement Capellier. (laughs) And he was the director sportive of this new Marathi Honeywell um, UCI professional mountain biking team that was going to focus on under 23 athletes um, at the beginning of their under 23 career in hopes of getting them on the the world championships podium by the time they were finished their U23 category. So I flew home for Christmas Spent Christmas with my family, ditched all my belongings in Victoria, flew down to Arizona right after Christmas. And then it was just full on from there. (laughs) Wow. So how much racing? Because this was like one year only. Yeah. So that would have been, so in January, 2003, uh, I landed in Phoenix, Arizona, was picked up from the airport, got whisked away up to Prescott, Arizona, which is about an hour, 15 minutes northwest of Phoenix. Um, we're living in a house. It was, uh, it was a North American elite or uh, under 23 elite team. So, um, and it was in its infancy. So there was myself and then there was the, the, June, the previous year's junior national champion mountain biking from Mexico. Oh. So it was... Christian Cuesta Navarrete and myself and our director sportive from the Czech Republic. (laughs) 
and we lived in a house and yeah it was, it was a phenomenal experience we raced the whole so that that sort of um spring we raced the whole southern california arizona road racing circuit pro one two and then soon as mountain biking season kind of came on first okay. of june we started racing any Norba National World Cup or Canada Cup in North America and then finished out the season in Europe racing the final World Cup and World Championships in Switzerland for, for Canada. Oh, so you were, just a second, you were riding for him, but representing Canada at the at Worlds? Yeah, so any any World Cup event, you would race for your trade team, so your, right. your sponsors. And mm -hmm. then any national team, whether or not, say it was um, Pan, Am, Pan Am Games, Olympic Games, World Championships, all that stuff is raced for your country. And so you you would be selected. So in 2003, national mountain biking national championships was in Whistler that year. I won oh, okay. the under I won the under 23 category, so that gave me my automatic selection to mm -hmm. the Canadian national team to then go to Lugano, Switzerland to race in mountain bike world championships. Wow. So how come, so, okay. So you show up to this house and there's only you and one other <laughs> rider. Like, I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of like, um, I imagine there might be a couple other people yeah. that and, would be and, here. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so that was the plan. Like, so it was, it was really cool. We had our, our money backer was Honeywell Industries International. So a lot of people are familiar with Honeywell as the thermostats on their wall or right. you know, yeah. a, a space heater or a fan, but there's so much more than that. And it was very bizarre how the circumstances of this team materialized because Honeywell purchased Moradi. Moradi was a titanium bike manufacturer in the Czech Republic. Oh. And Moradi purchased, or sorry, Honeywell purchased Moradi for their titanium, titanium manufacturing technology, which mm. Honeywell wanted for their jet engine industry. And then they're, I know, I know. Wow. <laughs> Really? But then they were like, cool. oh, wow, there's a bike company too. So why don't we put together a team and put together a couple, uh, you know, North American riders. And we're going to try to bring the brand, the Moradi bicycle brand to North America. So, you know, they brought the oh, brand okay. they were trying to get into bike shops and, you know, they did um, Interbike at Vegas and yeah, 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 yeah. it was just a, a big, a big thing. And they were like, oh, well, we might as well have a professional racing team to kind of to, to give some street credit to these bicycles. And yeah, they were phenomenal bicycles. But there's only two of you. There was only two of us in the first year and then plans were to um, the following years to have a professional road team. Right. And start a junior program as well. What happened? Um, so pressures- <laughs> To your pressure, knowledge, yeah, yeah. what happened? Great, great question. I think it was, um, I've always kind of uh, said that almost anybody, yes, there, there's a certain amount of, of natural talent and ability, but almost anybody can be a pro endurance athlete if you have the headspace for it. And right. just ultimately at the end of the day, both myself and Christian, being away from family, being away from friends, 
he spoke pretty much primarily um, Spanish. I spoke only English. So two guys who are of the same age, same interest, couldn't really talk to one another very well. Um, and just being on the road all the time and just being so isolated to do one thing and one thing only wasn't a healthy way to go about it. And both of us quit at the end of the year. Oh, like, uh, he he had won and he won under 23 national championships in Mexico Mexico that year. I won under 23 national championships in Canada that year, but we were just both done. We were over it. Yeah. So I legitimately flew home from World Championships to Ottawa. I landed on a Friday, early September, and I was in the University of Ottawa Registrar's office Saturday morning. <laughs> wow. So were you thinking about all of this while you were out on the circuit? Like this is, I'm just, this is it. I've, I've, I've done yeah. my bit and now I think it's time to like, I've done a lot. Yeah. And, and there were a couple of factors and positions. Like, I mean, hindsight, if, when I look back, maybe I should have taken a month just to decompress and <laughs> like, and it was yeah. a long, hard season. And uh, unfortunately for me, my feet, fitness kind of peaked. Unfortunately, unfortunately, my fitness that year peaked at national championships. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was late July. And then it was just downhill from there. So like right. finishing out two months of racing, traveling, just super, super stressful. Getting your butt whooped all the time doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. Yeah. Um, there's a couple unfortunate problems through Sport Canada too that I was I was technically able to get some funding, but they kind of pulled the carpet from out from under me, so I didn't get any additional support. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. all the support went to the elite athletes who already had these big pro contracts, and they weren't the. Unfortunately, Canadian Cycling Association wasn't really set up at the time to help developing riders. It was more we have this incredible set of elite athletes who are winning everything in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's keep them going to keep Canada at the top of the sport. So I get it. But then there was this big gap in development because there was no riders coming up with no support. Right. Um, that is a problem. Yeah. And I think so. And I was, I was, Rocky Mountain tried to pull me back in and I kind of, that's why I almost kicked myself. So about six weeks after I'd been back in Ottawa going to school, um, I got a call from Leslie Tomlinson. I don't know if you know the name. She's a very mm -hmm. highly decorated, retired now, very highly decorated um, elite mountain biker from Canada. And she was running the Rocky Mountain factory uh, mountain bike team at the time. Okay. And we were talking back and forth, but I think even she could tell talking back and forth that I wasn't in it anymore. I was just like, yeah, yeah I mean, this is cool, but what's next in my life? Yeah. Been there, done that, yeah. need to do. It. So now what were you, so you came back and started going to school Yep. and at that point, what made you decide to go, I get, I'm assuming you went into physiotherapy, right? So, at Ottawa U. Uh, so initially, um, so at the time, physiotherapy had now transitioned to a master's program. Okay. Um, so I had to do your, your undergrad. So I did my undergrad in health science at Ottawa U. 
is that when you started like that September? Is that when you officially yeah. went back to school? Like, so it's, it's funny. Um, so yeah, correct. So September, I guess, 2003 is when I went back to Ottawa U and then spent my four years there. So graduated Ottawa U in 2007 with like my bachelor's mm-hmm. in health science, um, yeah. not really knowing what I wanted to do with a health science degree. Um, <laughs> My mother, oddly enough, is an, or, or was, she's retired now, an occupational therapist. Oh, yeah. And she kind of had an idea that I would like to help people. So she kind of piqued my interest in shadowing some healthcare providers. And I had a couple friends who were physios at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really loved their gigs. So put my applications in and Queens decided to take me. So that would have been 2000. That's not so bad. Not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I started physiotherapy uh, at Queens in 2009. I took a couple of years off in between um, just working and um, not really worrying about too much because I'd worried about a lot for a long time. Right. And uh, yeah. So uh, and then finished uh, Queens physiotherapy in 2011. So almost going off just hit my 10 year anniversary, which is, yeah. So is that where you specialized in bike fit or did that come afterwards? No. So it's, it's funny. I'd say this to clients all the time. If if you had (laughs) asked me back in school, if I wanted to be a bike fitter, I'd be like, that doesn't exist. I, it was not even close to being on my radar when I was racing, bike fitting wasn't even a thing. You, you disassemble your bike, fly across the country, build it back together and say, yeah, that feels okay. And go race. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it, it was never on my radar, even oddly enough to this day, I have never had a bike fit myself. Isn't that funny? Cause that's that kind funny? of <laughs> <laughs> the way I feel. I'm like, uh, tweaking my own bike. Cause I yeah. kind of know what to look for. And then I'm yeah. like, really Sylvie, you need some help because you yeah. can't figure it out on your own. Cause it's so hard. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of, yeah, nuances. I mean, I don't, I don't, com- I don't um, claim to be a complete expert. I learn every day with every yeah. fit. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, a science and a bit of a, an art form mixed into to one big bag. <laughs> yeah, I could, I think you could just, cause I'm like, if I already did, it, well, my thing is when I came to you, it was my cleat positioning. And if anybody has ever tried to adjust your own cleats, first of all, you need time to do it. You need to be on a trainer. You can't be out on the road adjusting your cleats and trying to figure (laughs) that's what I was doing. I'm like, I'll just adjust them. And then they're not tight enough. Then they move and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. And you know that they need to be moved because your knee is hurting. Absolutely. Right. I'm like, I was, I have called, I said, I was self-medicating myself for years, like with massage <laughs> and strength training, because I knew my bike cleat positioning. And that's where I thought it started from, which I think it was, but it could have been anything could have been saddle height. Well, and so that's, that's what actually got me into fitting. Yeah. So, um, after I graduated Queens, spent a year in Kingston, then spent a year in Toronto practicing traditional sort of sports rehab, then moved to mm. Ottawa. And it was just a fluke that I was working at a private practice out in Riverside South. And I happened to meet uh, um, a fairly um, 
high level cyclist at the time in Ottawa for traditional rehab, you know, Hey, my knee hurts when I ride a bike. It's like, okay, yeah, I used to ride. And just through the regular practitioner patient relationship, we, he's like, Oh, wow, you really did ride. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I really did. ride. Um, <laughs> like you really did. ride. Oh. And so he started sending me more like cyclists. So I started to develop this, this following of cyclists, oh, but it got okay. frustrating because here I knew all of the physio knowledge and I would right. treat them and I would rehab them and give them a strength and conditioning program and they would get better. And then they would do riding again and high, yeah. like high mileage volume mm-hmm. and they're right back into my office. So I'm like, okay, right. I can treat the symptom, but I'm not getting the source. Right. But I'm like, okay, there's obviously got to be something to this bike fitting thing. And that was, that would have been 20. 13. So then I started researching, okay, where can I learn how to do bike fits? <laughs> right. So where did you get certified? Cause so I know I, like uh, where I got certified yeah. was bike fit. It doesn't, the same owner doesn't own it anymore. Yep. Um, and that was like 10 years ago when I got certified, so, I had to go to the States. Yeah. So exactly. That's exactly what yeah. I had to do because even, I mean, even today, um, bike fit, um, to my knowledge anyways, is the, oh, I shouldn't so that, say that. So bike fit still offers um, education levels in Canada, mm-hmm. but also I've been recently told that the University of Montreal is actually oh. af- offering, I believe, a master's program in biomechanics and bike fitting. Oh, no, that's so, cool. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if a kinesiologist was super passionate about it, maybe mm-hmm. if they didn't want to do a master's in, or I mean, whatever, if you take engineering as an undergrad, but your passion is this, you can actually follow through and do a master's in bike fitting at the, I believe it's the University of Montreal. That's super cool. Yeah. And I think mm. that's just new this September. Um, but yeah, at the time in 2013, there was bike fit. Um, they were the only ones and then it was everything down in the States. So I went down to Boise, Idaho, about Boise, Idaho. Oh, wow. (laughs) And met, um, Tom Coleman, who, um, Oh, I've heard of that name. Yeah. Not many people have. He was kind of right at the forefront of everything kind of along the same times as like Andy Pruitt was putting together retool with special, well, not specialized then specialized, eventually acquired retool. But, um, and so Tom had come up with a software program called WN precision, or it's right now it's wobblenot.com. And it, from what I, from a physiotherapist perspective, what I really appreciated, it was a, an exhaustive physical assessment. So you were looking at joint range of motion. You were looking mm. at bony lengths. You were looking at the rider off the bike first to understand their movement patterns mm-hmm. and then matching it to the rider and whatever bike they brought in. Cause you were taking into account the specific bicycle they brought in, whether or not it was a mountain bike, a triathlon bike, you name it. Um, and yeah, he had a really cool system. He basically figured out through years of data testing with Olympic athletes, how to properly fit an individual 
based off of muscle EMG firing. So he would have riders out in the real world and he'd be driving behind them with all his sensors. This is, and this is a while ago. So it's kind of, he was like leading edge at the time. And he was analyzing muscle contractions based Mm. on different parts of the pedal stroke to optimize a rider's position. Hey, 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 let's take a mini break because I have to tell you about this unique online cycling coaching program that's going to blow your mind. This is your fast and easy way to become a better and stronger cyclist by joining an online 16-week cycling training program geared towards improving cycling skills. My name is Sylvie Dow, your podcast host and Level 3 National Cycling Performance Coach. I have been coaching this unique 16-week program every winter since 2006. Why did I create this unique 16-week program? Winters were harsh and still are here in the region. No one likes or liked to work out alone in their basements until the world of online cycling really took off last year during COVID, which has been a game changer for cyclists worldwide. So why would you sign up to a 16-week online road cycling training skills program when you could be riding inside? Well, here's the thing. There's this little known thing called the four key pedal strokes. Hardly anyone is talking about, but when you learn and use them, you will see a huge difference in your cycling performance, not to mention impressing your friends and yourself. First, why are you training on a trainer this winter anyways. What are your goals? Do you want to get faster? Could it be moving from 18 kilometers an hour to 20 kilometers an hour? Do you want to win that sprint? Are you looking to get stronger on the hills? Do you want to now be the first to the top, not the last? Is it your endurance-based building? Do you want to move into a faster ride group? Or maybe you're looking at getting into racing. Whatever the goals, they require specific skills that need to be taught and practiced in order to improve. I've coached over 500 cyclists in this program with a reported 5 to 20% increase in cycling fitness over the 16 weeks. Here are a couple of reasons that this program might be for you. You're still frustrated with climbing hills and keeping up with the pack. You like structure and scheduled training sessions. You like to train in your cycling zones. Your heart rate is all over the place. Possibly you want to optimize gear changing and learn a little bit more about that to become more efficient. You would like coaching feedback on technique and form. Joining a cycling skills program like the 16 week program can provide more benefits that will help drastically improve your cycling fitness through focused training in your heart rate zones hill climbing, speed, endurance, while building up fitness through the 16 weeks of periodized winter and strength training program. Go to 16wkroadcycling.ca. That's 16wkroadcycling.ca for all the details and to join today. The program starts in December. Now, back to our episode. Holy shit. And it was like a week-long course, 12 hours a day, one-on-one, just him and I fitting athletes. And it was a lot on the brain. I bet. Right. um, (laughs) And he's he's still in the business. He's getting into some really cool um, 
IMU inertia measuring unit technology that um, tracks body movement in 3D, uh, something like, uh, I mean, he'll probably send me a message after this to say it's better than what I'm saying, but <laughs> something like a thousand measurements per second in 3D space. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's still pushing the limits, but he's not a very well-known person in the world, but he's an incredibly well-known person in like Northwestern United States. Oh, okay. Um, he's, he's worked with, I mean, gosh, if you know, you could name a handful of Olympic or professional or world tour riders, um, from the United States five to 10 years ago and he's worked with every single one of them yeah because so, it uh it really he's does because cool he's all about the process he's not about the, hey 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 look at me for the fame he's about yeah every rider that comes through his door is the world champion in that moment so yeah well when you are we're talking about world champions i mean a fraction of a change could mean a lot in time where for us it's probably more comfort you know like I don't want to get rid of that pain where there is more like uh performance driven like how can you get that extra for sure that's the cool thing I see it's like um I like I love the variety I see I will see someone who just purchased a brand new bike and wants to prevent injury they have no symptoms I see people who have problems. Oh, that's a great way to start. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And then you see people who are looking for that 30 seconds faster over an Ironman. Competitive edge? Exactly. You're like, hate to tell you, but a little less poundage might help. (laughs) (laughs) As I always say, as long as the body can match their goals, we can make it work but yeah body flexibility mobility doesn't match there's other work to be done it can't all be solved on a bike fit (laughs) that's right how many conversations a week do you have on that (laughs) let's just say if i had a quarter for everyone we probably wouldn't be talking (laughs) right now (laughs) you know it's it's kind (laughs) of like that right it's like how good it's been a nice it's been a nice ride (laughs) and like i think um People appreciate the, the the racing knowledge. I think people always appreciate, regardless of your industry, that if you you can kind of you've walked the walk, mm-hmm. so you, you know when when you know an athlete comes in and says, "Yeah, I ride 35 hours a week," and it's like, "Yeah, I remember those days and and what it feels like and the the punishment your body takes." Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely helpful from that side of things. So right now, you have your own website. So it's uh, physio. To be launched within a week. Oh, physio pro fitter. So physio bike fitter.com. Sorry, physio bike fitter.com, which will probably be launched by the time this one goes out. So make sure you check it out. Now, are you, so this is your own business. Yeah. Moving forward, you're yeah. renting space in a, in a clinic. Correct. Okay. So how can people find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, and make so, appointments. Yeah, a couple different ways. So 
um, until the website is up and running, in which case people will be able to do simple online booking and see my entire availability. Um, you can check out Active Health uh, Hintenburg, Active Health Institute Hintenburg. Um, okay. They can call the office, call into reception, book an appointment through our reception. Um, I can be emailed directly at my name, jamesvantuver at gmail.com. People can find me on Instagram at physiobikefitter. Uh, they can drop me a message through there. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, and hopefully fingers crossed, it's been a long time coming, but in a week or two, um, physiobikefitter.com. So that's where they can go find you and then book themselves in. They can book God. themselves. There's lots of, you know, frequently asked questions that I get asked almost every time, all <laughs> answered. It goes through the whole process. It's got all the information. They, and, and you can still contact me directly. You will still be able to contact me directly through the website for any additional mm -hmm. concerns or questions people have. But uh, yeah, it'll kind of be a, a one-stop shop to handle everybody's needs, hopefully. Well, automating is the way to go for like just saving time period. Absolutely. You know? so, I'm glad to hear that you're going that way because I know I said I had to bike book myself in for an additional bike fit. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. It did eliminate a lot of problems that I was having with my knee, but I feel like there's still some tweaking to be done. And it's funny enough that my, my saddle stem keeps dropping. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. uh, <laughs> look in the mirror I'm like holy yeah, shit yeah and I think I think every like that's one big thing I always tell my clients is 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 bike fitting is is never never one and done mm. um I un unfortunately only get to see an athlete or a cyclist at one point in time and I have to base my fit off of my assessment on that day Right. And who knows if uh, this time of year, if uh, a cyclist come in and they're transitioned a little bit more strength and training and mm. they're tired from a gym session or they're restricted in their movement because they haven't worked out in six months and they come in and this is how I see their movement patterns. Unfortunately, right. their bike fit today is going to be based off of that. So I always, mm. always, always encourage people you do get four months free unlimited follow-ups with me because I do like to people to be happy. My, my motto is cycling should be self-inflicted pain only, not equipment and setup inflicted pain. So <laughs> All I right, do so think follow-ups are always necessary. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so maybe you can share with us your favorite questions oh, that are God. part of your Q&A that you hear all the time that maybe I haven't heard? Like, what are some of them? Can you name like maybe? Um, probably the, the best one is, do I need my to bring my bike? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, granted, oh granted, based on their, their previous bike fit experience, they may have been fit on a fit bike. Um, so, but as yes, I always say, you know. Oh, I suppose. Yeah, so you never, you never know. Um, I always get a little chuckle out of that, though, because no matter what, people always leave with their bikes adjusted. Right. There are certain fitters out there 
who will give you a set of measurements that you then go home and transfer on your own bike, which yeah. then, I mean, yes, you're, you're certainly introducing um, error in that method, but you know, mm -hmm. if it works for them, works for them. Great. Uh, what else? Um, uh, one thing, so I, I have, since we saw you, Sylvie, I have moved locations. So I used to be yeah. out towards the east end of Ottawa. I am now mm -hmm. at 250 City Centre. A lot of people are familiar with um, Beyond the Pale Brewery or Artisan Bakery. Oh, yeah. Um, big, question, big question now is where am I? Because when they, people get to 250 City Centre, it's just this big, long complex. People think I'm beside the brewery. Um, Eurosports. <laughs> I wish bike I was. Shop, right? <laughs> Eurosports bike shop used to be just down the road here. So people think of that. So they don't yeah. know where I am. But if you're standing and looking at this giant 250 city center complex, there's an office tower on the right hand side. And I'm on the third floor of the office. Tower. Oh, you're in the office tower. Okay. Yeah. See, like I've never been in the office tower for anything. Nobody has ever. <laughs> And a lot of cyclists, like, as I say, a lot of cyclists beyond the pale is a very popular hangout post Gatineau yeah. Park loop ride. Yeah. So they always go looking down that end. But no, I am in the office tower um, and the complete opposite end of the plaza from beyond the pale. And I suppose the entrance is around back? Nope. It's, uh, it's, it's, off right, it's right on the front of the building. Yeah, you can't miss oh. it. The big oh, double okay. door. Yeah. So that's where you're going to be for a while. This is where I will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I got a phenomenal space. My joke is I used to fit bikes in a closet and now I'm in a beautiful corner office. So I got lovely <laughs> view, lots of daylight. It's, it's, uh, even my wife said after I changed locations, my mood was better coming home is because I can see the light of day all day long. So it's, oh, well, I suppose cool. you have a good view of the Ottawa River then. Yep. So if kind I look of? directly, directly above my computer screen, I am like looking straight to Quebec. And then if I look off to my right, I'm looking straight oh. towards Preston Street. Well, you are on a corner. That's nice. <laughs> it's very nice. Good negotiating. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. As well, yeah. So doing something right in the world. <laughs> well, you deserve it because a lot of people talk very highly of you in Ottawa for your bike fits. Uh, myself included. So you're are one of the guys to look for in this yeah, region. And I don't know if you do anything online. Do you do anything online? Can you do anything? Um, so, uh, not necessarily online. Um, I always like to see people in person. There's so much more you will gain from having person in office. Mm -hmm. Next year, um, probably next summer, provided um, the world behaves for us all a little bit better, um, I'll probably actually look to start doing some mobile fittings. Oh. So coming to people's houses. Um, I had one client this year where just her circumstances, she, she didn't have a way to come to the office and it was quite far for her to ride. So we went and did it at her house. It was lovely. We did it poolside in her backyard. So yeah. it was kind of like a really cool change of pace. But I think, yeah, just, you know, so many people are working from home now, um, <laughs> being able to come to people and making it a little bit more accessible for more people. That'll be exciting. Um, mm, price it accordingly. 
Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yes, travel <laughs> yeah. will be extra for sure. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm sure uh, if you want to fly him out, he'll go anywhere. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I've, I've just through my social media and it just, it shows you the power of social media and yeah. something, something if you've never got into it and granted, I'm not even great at social media. I, I'm very lackluster in my posts, but the few quality posts that I try to put out there I've had interest from Toronto and Montreal oh. to go and do clinics. So I'm kind of going mm. back and forth with this woman in Toronto now who she's going to organize several members from her cycling club and we'll just pick a spot and pound out maybe, you know, six to eight fittings on a weekend in Toronto and just sort of start kind of branching out my network. I get a ton of, and and granted, I haven't really spent too much time um searching fitters outside of ottawa i know mm -hmm. um luke very well he's a great guy yeah. down at the movement company i know yeah. jesse um very mm -hmm. well he's the fitter at bushtaka awesome guy well i think um, it's just like the three of you pretty people much really now. talk about yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um and jesse's doing some great things he, he's kind of capturing that online market with his, yeah yeah he's my got an, fit is uh, yeah. artificial intelligence software, which mm -hmm. is a super cool idea. Yeah. Um, but I get emails from people, Montreal and Toronto all the time, mm -hmm. asking for me, asking me to find them a fitter in those locations with similar, like, um, oh, experience, right. the professional cycling, the physiotherapist, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera a fitter mm -hmm. who's been fitting for almost eight years now. And I don't know of anybody in those cities who, who fits that category. There's so, gotta be somebody in Milton. There has to be, right? There has just, to be. But it's yeah. not, not on my priority list to find those people yet. <laughs> like, with, a, with, a, with a three and a half year old and a new six month oh, old. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you're yeah. A, a, yeah, not a new daddy, but a, a new second New daddy child, second new time daddy. around, yeah. Yeah, how is that yeah. going? Oh, fantastic. We, um, yeah, we have a, so we are a little boy second time around. So we got the little girl first, the little boy. And they're, oh, they're, sweet. Yeah, they're 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 doing phenomenal. It's it's a ton of fun, time consuming, which is which is great. I wouldn't wouldn't this change family it for the thing. World. Yeah, but I mean, kudos to to my wife Carolyn. Like, um, he, as busy as I am in the summer months, she still lets me ride my bike. <laughs> she still well. lets me get in. So, yeah, is she getting in her stuff thing. though? Pardon me, sorry? Is she getting in her stuff? It's a balance. She absolutely gets in her stuff. Good, good, good. Good for you. <laughs> Carolyn, <laughs> exactly. make sure you get your stuff in. Exactly. Whatever it is, a little jaunt around <laughs> the block or... Uh, she's, a, she's a competitive ultimate player. Oh! Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. I used to be a competitive ultimate player her before team, I her took up mountain bike racing. <laughs> Another contact sport almost, right? <laughs> well, you know what? I left Ultimate because I started, and I did it in 2000, 2099 okay. and 2000. Well, that was my competitive Stella stint. Yes. 
and uh yeah and then then I left it I was just like this friends of mine were tearing ACLs concussions and I'm just like you know what I think I'm just gonna move on from this sport and the the competitive side just was just too much too much too much of one thing was just yeah this is and it's funny this is what I find with with cycling like I can't tell you how many crazy ambitious cyclists or triathletes I get and you get talking to them and their their sport background is something harsh physically demanding football hockey that they just cannot play or they don't really want to play at a high level Mm -hmm. anymore and they're channeling all that focus to endurance like one of my one of my clients he I think he played university football in Quebec and this year he was fourth overall like he's an age grouper but he was fourth overall at the Muskoka half Ironman and compete and qualified for world championships like he was beating over half of the pro field and this is like his second year doing it and he's just this big strong take nothing from nobody type of attitude it's the mental toughness I would guess that would describe him. I said, I truly am of the belief that yes, there is athletic ability that you need to possess, Mm -hmm. but for endurance sports, if you have mental fortitude and mental strength, Mm -hmm. just to get out there and keep going, you will do well in the sport and an endurance sport. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So now I'm just going to ask you one last thing. Sure. What's your, uh, do you have any future plans like for expansion? Like I know you just got in here yep. and I know you're, you know, you're settling in, but have you, do you have any kind of, um, what's the five year, 10 year goal? <laughs> well, like, let's just say five. Yeah. Um, now that you're kind of getting like, interests in other places do you have something that you've kind of um together in your mind i think uh for me no matter what it's it's um no matter how small or big i get is the the quality so i was very lucky Mm -hmm. the quality of the product i'm putting out there so i was very lucky this summer because things got so incredibly busy that i had so like in the middle of the summer i had a two-month wait list like wow people would buy a bike in july and message me and say oh james i'm so excited i just got my bike can i come in next week and i'm like sorry <laughs> i'll see you in eight weeks and and it, i mean so and then unfortunately these people would have to go somewhere else to another fitter yeah. which is, is you know not a good problem to have but i was fortunate this summer to have um alex banville who's a, a young triathlete he will probably turn pro Ironman next year. He's a kinesiologist. He's taking, he just started his master's in sports psychology at Ottawa U. So he came on with me. Um, he, oh. when he was finishing his kinesiology degree, he interned with me at the clinic for eight months learning fitting. Oh, and so this and is at the then, other location? Uh, yeah, but then he came over with me. So he interned with me at um, Performance Sports Therapy, but then he came over to Active Health Institute and he yeah. did a phenomenal job. Like he really picked up 
And same, he's the type of guy who can walk the walk. He competed at half Ironman world championships at St. George this year. Mm -hmm. He knows the body. He knows everything, how to assess and look at people. Um, so yeah, he was, he was a godsend. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, if things continue the way they are, two of us will not be able to, to keep up. So it's like it's all the people getting into biking, that's the thing. And then they get the bike and yeah. it's just like, uh, it's not really set up right. Why am I? So and it's a pain? really tricky, tricky, um, occupation to find that right individual because mm -hmm. they have to have some, some riding street cred. They have to know the body and they know have to know how to almost work on a bike head to toe some right. of these bikes that come in are just <laughs> head scratchers and if you've say never it, had... say it they just came out of the garage right well not even <laughs> just that it's some of these like you know some of these hyper bikes that are coming in these fifteen thousand oh. dollar plus bikes oh you don't want to trust with just someone who's never really worked on a bike and alex used to work at a bike shop as a mechanic too so he like fit the mold i was so happy to get my hands on them um but yeah trying to offer that very high level service with the right people is is a tough balance my whole goal for this winter is really to get people in now like asap so i talked about the four months free unlimited follow-ups right now i tell people because i want you to be happy all along i'm i got your back into the spring so don't think mm -hmm. because i do your fit now i'm i'm, I'm not going to follow up with you in the spring totally covered but if i can chip away at the 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 wait list now there won't be so much when people start thinking about biking again and so many people you know you yourself sylvia you have your zwift stuff with your cycle fit chicks yeah like get fit now we got you covered until the spring. So even when you get off your trainer, I'll you let the girls know. <laughs> it's like people need to come now so that the summer is just, you know, you might not get your bike fit in the summer if you wait till the summer. It's just, it's. So it's I crazy. have a question then. Sure. Okay. So first question How many fits can you do in a day? Is it just two? So, um, in the summer we were doing five a day. So like you, I was, I would do three and Alex would do two. So we were looking at about 25 to 30 fits a week. Holy shit. So if <laughs> well, like when I did mine, it was like three to four hours. Yeah. I've got it down a person. to usually as long as I don't get into any hiccups mechanically, Right. Um, by the time we chat, I do the full physio assessment. We do the right. on bike assessment. We do all the adjustments and we prescribe mm -hmm. home exercises. You're looking at two and a half hours. Oh, if, that's good. If I run into mechanical problems that gets pushed to three hours. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough though. Cause it's like one after another, after another. Uh -huh. and, uh -huh. and then if you're behind, then Alex starts a little bit behind, but we were, we were a well-oiled machine this summer. So this oh, the space cool. I'm in is about five a day. This time of year, it, it, it's nice. I get a bit of a break. Right now I'm doing two to three a day just by myself while Alex is, is back studying at Ottawa U. Um, 
but yeah, I don't quite have the solution. I have thought about maybe uh, eventually teaching, putting, putting together a course or just affiliating myself with um, some of the other established, um, highly regarded fitting outfits in the world and being a, a course lecturer on bike fitting. Um, I see a future in that. Why not, right? Maybe, why not? especially if it's always a, a challenge to get people in in the off season, um, hmm. maybe that's when you focus on more of the education side of things and courses and go from there. Well, that, like, that's where you use social media, do little sure. educational reels and things like that. Now, here's my next question, because road to trainer, kind of different, I don't know, is there a, would you say there's like a different fitting that you would do for, or would you kind of not set necessarily, up your... yeah, not necessarily in my mind, a different fitting. I mean, I am of the school of thought that cycling indoors, even though it's your bike on a trainer or cycling mm -hmm. outdoors is arguably two different sports. Yeah. You see that in Zwift racing league, there are people who can dominate in the Zwift racing league internationally. And then you, put them outside and well that so. comes down to technique that is nothing that's just straight race for sure <laughs> yeah. skill um but yeah so not necessarily a different fit but i mean people all the time will experience one thing inside and another thing yeah. outside in which case minor adjustment has to to be made for sure yeah because i find like um well, basically sitting on your trainer in a very stack, like position the whole time, you know, with no movement, no up and back. You're like, of course, your back's going to hurt a little bit. Your crotch might hurt a little bit. Yeah. Oh, um, you're absolutely right. Like even just <laughs> people think the way you weight shift going around a corner outside. Yeah. That is a. And your neck, depending yeah. on where you have your. Like yeah. if you're looking too high up, too, yep. too low on the monitors, things like that. Um, so many people with, with indoor training, they have their television mounted up. Like It's kind of like you would think uh, you go to a gym, Good Life Movadi, and all mm -hmm. the TVs are way up high for all of the cardio machines. So people go mm -hmm. home, they're putting together their pain cave and they think, oh, I need to mount my TV super high. And then they drop down in their arrow bars and then they're looking at the Zwift like, screen like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, there are, there are, there are challenges indoors and outdoors and, and yeah. They, yeah. That's a, it's yeah. a balance. Uh -huh. I mean, so, I've always said, it, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a time thing. It would be phenomenal for me to evaluate someone in the clinic, adjust them in the clinic and then for me to go on a bike ride with that person right away. And then you're getting real world feedback because the test of my fit is not on the trainer in the clinic. The test mm -hmm. of the fit is outside on the road where you spend, well, most people spend 90% of their time on the bike. So yeah, <laughs> there, there have been times when I'm riding with girls from my club and I just, I look at some of them, then I pull out my phone and I tape them from behind. And then I'm like, I uh, just want to show you kind of yeah. what you look like. And you might want to put your 
see posts up like about well and it's inches. crazy you know i have this giant mirror to my left it's like a full yeah. wall mirror and people hop on the trainer and a lot of times the first thing they say i've never seen myself ride I tell people all the time, get yourself one of those cheap little $7 mirrors from Walmart yeah. and set it up beside you. Yeah. And then take a look at your seat position, take a look at your foot position, yeah. your knees, like, um, yeah, like I think bike fitting is, is, is bike fitting can be complicated, but it can be a lot of common sense as well. And yeah. Yeah, you know, doing a simple assessment in the mirror, an individual with, uh, you know, who's a little bit more in tune with their body might be able to mm -hmm. pick up on things that that should be corrected and, more importantly, can be corrected easily, such yeah. as, yeah, they might not be perfect, but they'll be closer to um, where they should be riding biomechanically. Yeah. I totally agree. That's why I was like, everybody get yourself a mirror. I want you to look at yourself. <laughs> and when I talk about pedal stroke, I want you to look at it. Yeah. That instant feedback. But I mean, like I said, if we're, if we're cranking out five fits a day in clinic, I don't yeah. have time, unfortunately, to spend five hours with every client. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got some, some sneaky things up my sleeve for, for, not too too long that will allow me to analyze people's outside posture without me having to go with them so that's that's super cool yeah you just let them sit on their bike pedal for a couple minutes <laughs> take a look uh, let's go start here yeah <laughs> well that's awesome so i am definitely going to uh get the get my girls thinking about fits if they've ever Amazing thought or you know been talking about it it's just like you know getting your bike tuned up out of season as well it's just like well it's kind of it like now have to wait. yeah it's always it's always the joke in the rehab world too is everyone tries to rush in before january as well because if they have some benefits left oh yeah do, right everything resets in january and yeah you know, because I'm fortunate to be a registered physiotherapist, people can get their money back with the fitting because it's a, it's a physiotherapy assessment. Oh, well, that is a good point. And uh, yep. there are still some people left with some <laughs> benefits left. Exactly. So with that, this has been amazing. And yeah, like thanks I said, so I'm much for having me. Oh, uh, well, I'm so glad that we were able to fit this this in after like i know you've been we've been going I've been back hounding and forth you. for probably six months and i just <laughs> summer was insane so this is this is works great well this is totally worth it because it's probably at a great time for you now you're in your new space yep. you're gonna have your new um automated um um setup so people Booking can system, put yeah. themselves in you know more back and forth and that's so Absolutely. annoying right? It's like you just look in. Oh, I got it. <laughs> exactly. Set up for the week. Um, and uh, so you said where to find you again. You're on. Yep. So, yeah, for sure. A couple ways. Um, Physio Bike Fitter on Instagram. Send me a message. 
send me a direct email, jamesvantuver at gmail.com. Yeah. You can get in touch via phone at the clinic, Active Health Institute, Hintenburg, 613-656-0187. Um, and hopefully, no more than two weeks, physiobikefitter.com. Awesome. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Sylvie underscore cyclist. Now I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. I hope you got some great content from this. Don't forget, you can watch this on YouTube as well. If you want to see James in uh, life and also the beautiful mural. Behind him. <laughs> I have to get that guy on my podcast. Yeah, Maybe you can cool, put, connect me. Um, and don't forget to share this with someone who you know, possibly local to us, who's been complaining about sore backs or necks or arms, you know, hands falling asleep, feet falling asleep that James can probably easily help. And like, like he was saying, now is the time to do it while it's on the off season and um, you can have a good on trainer on season for sure let's figure it out now (laughs) all right thanks so much james and thanks to our listeners have an amazing day thanks sylvie thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.